Hello and welcome to the Sacred Adventure Begin podcast, where we share stories and practices about discovering your purpose, developing your spiritual awareness and gifts, healing from a holistic place, and boldly sharing your unique expression in the world. I'm your host, Emily. I'm a former professor, now spirituality and meditation teacher who is obsessed with living a life filled with joy, authenticity, and community connection. It is my pleasure to share this space and these stories with you today. Let's begin. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sacred Adventure Begin podcast. It has been a bit of a wild ride. I feel like it's been months since I released an episode out there, and I'm kind of sitting here like just sort of um, at a loss of words for the enormity of everything that has happened since the last episode went out. Uh, because the last release I did, we were still in the middle of the like quarantine phase of the pandemic. And since then, there's been a vaccine and there was a death in my family. And so we you know, took some time, my husband and I, and went back to Kentucky for a little while. Um, for those of you who are new to the podcast, welcome. I'm Emily. <laughs> and this month is another interesting thing because... I'm also celebrating the um, first full year and a a little extra of being in business completely for myself. Before I started getting into it and the Sacred Adventure Begin podcast and all the things that sort of go along with that, I was working as a professor of art, of contemporary theories, which is like art theories and drawing and sculpture. And when the pandemic hit, well, just before it, my husband and I moved to Boston And I started thinking about how I could use my other gifts, my healing gifts, my ability to guide and coach people to sort of like hone in on, you know, what they're meant to do and how they're meant to serve, like how I could bring that to the world outside of the ivory tower that is academia. And wow, it has been a crazy ride. If you've been following the podcast for a while, you've heard uh, bits and pieces of what I have been going through. Now, while most of us were sort of <laughs> adjusting to the, the for now normal during the pandemic, I was also adjusting to a new town, starting a new business, uh, and, and making sort of like daily and monthly life adjustments. And I would say that everything was going pretty well until like recently, um, as I said, it's been a year, I've started getting really serious about like improving and I've shifted from the creation mode and sort of that like wild exuberant exploration of like what is this how I'm how am I doing it into more of like the analysis mode and I should also say like analysis paralysis because as I mentioned it's been a while since I've released an episode (laughs) so maybe this is something that we all do like uh, when we step outside of the flow of creating and we start like trying to digest and make sense of everything that we've done to date And you've probably noticed that I started doing this at the beginning of the year uh, when I was playing with a new intro and outro for the Sacred Adventure Begin podcast. And I've been talking you through like some of the changes and why I've made them and letting you in on a little bit of that. So it's, it's fair to say that I'm not afraid of change, but I was craving sort of like a new definition for how I was feeling about who I was at the time or who I am now and also what I do at least in a like forward-facing way. So I feel like, I, I wanna say I'm, I'm always clear on who I am, <laughs> 
but I'm also clear on the fact that that like shifts and changes and and sometimes is affected by um, or is responsive to the world around me. And I would say the same about my business. So I kind of ended up in this weird situation uh, between the last time that um, I put out a podcast episode and, and me sitting here now recording the intro to this one, where I wasn't feeling satisfied with any of the new options I was creating. And I didn't want to go back to how things were either. Like that shoe didn't fit either. And so I did what I'm always recommending that like my clients do (laughs) and that no one ever really does because it's so uncomfortable. And it is that sometimes you just have to walk away. Like I don't mean like give up. I literally mean just stop. Like don't work on the thing. Uh, and let yourself get really uncomfortable. And I have to tell you, no one does it because it's uncomfortable to be uncomfortable. <laughs> so I leaned into that a little bit and and I'm feeling like a lot better now. But it took stepping away for, our, for a few months. Um, I blocked off sections in my calendar so people couldn't book with me. And I just needed like downtime, uh, not to overthink, Uh, But just to be present for myself and present for everything that I've gone through, like in the personal realms uh, with things opening back up and friends returning to my life and in the professional realm of looking at long-term planning for, for getting into it, my intuitive business and like the identity that the business holds within my shifting life. We also started a kitchen remodel. Of course, you all know me. (laughs) Maybe I haven't talked to you about remodeling before, but (laughs) I feel like that needs to be its own episode. Anyway, I think there can be a rush for folks to move from confusion to clarity, like that we're not okay with things being sort of foggy or not knowing the exact direction that we're going in. And we tend to, I don't know if you do it, I'm going to say we, as in like all of us, as in humans, but specifically humans in capitalism, uh, where you have to always have a product and you also have to always know where you're going. And this happens in the coaching world too, because people are like, you need goals, you need direct goals, you need to know how you're going to achieve them and a timeline for achieving them and all of that kind of stuff. And I, I will say that stuff is useful, but it's not useful when you just need to like incubate. And that's what I've been doing. I have given myself time to sort of stew or brew or ferment or be a catalyst. I've let myself develop. Like whatever words resonate with you. Maybe you like thinking about being in a cocoon. (laughs) Anyway, I, I know like it can be really difficult too. So let's say you're willing to sort of allow yourself to stew a bit and allow things to like filter around you and allow yourself to be in sort of the murky waters of change. Uh, But like while that's happening, people try and give you well-meaning advice, like (laughs) strategic advice. For example, as I've been recalibrating and making these adjustments and changes, uh, literally everything I have been seeing and hearing and advice, because I've also been doing a little bit of like personal development and learning and like taking courses on podcasting and stuff, They'll tell you things like podcasts need to go out twice a week in order to build a following, or they'll say something like showing up consistently is the only thing that matters. And while I think some of that advice might be true for like a big corporation like NPR, for example, if NPR canceled all its episodes for a month while it figured things out, that would be weird, right? (laughs) 
they post like a new podcast every hour. But for me, I like to ask like what I need in the moment and not guilt myself into doing something strategic for the result that it says that it will get me. Because I feel like every time I've done that, like I've taken an action just for a result, even if my internal knowing was saying slow down, do nothing, uh, you know, like incubate, let it, let it filter around you. Anytime I've done that, it has always ended up being bitter, bitter, bitter learning experiences for me. And I'm sure you've experienced things like that too. So I hope that you feel empowered to disregard the quote unquote wisdom that, that may need to be reconsidered in the context of your personal goals and your personal needs so that you can take the time that you need to do what you need to do to feel healthy, to feel happy. Anyway, I've, I'm really happy currently <laughs> to be thinking about like identity and how we show identity and how it comes across in our business. And I'm also happy to tell you that this is a major flux for me right now. Like, I uh, wake up, I have goals, but they're not clear, they're not specific, they're not time-based goals, and I'm moving toward questions, and I'm moving toward trying things, and I'm moving toward a new phase of testing things based on information that I gleaned over this past year, and I'm still very much in the like change aspect of it. You you may have heard that I recorded a new new intro. (laughs) Anyway... (laughs) that is just currently where I am but it is really cool because I think um, this is a good episode to release now as we're bringing the mini series of creativity to sort of like a focused point and creativity is definitely a topic creativity and identity is definitely topics that I plan on addressing in further podcast episodes so like don't worry we're coming back to this topic But for this mini-series, we're getting ready to shift into another series on practitioners and the different ways people work with themselves and others spiritually. But while we're on the creativity topic, we are doing an interview with Sharon Wagner about how identity and creative design can make a difference in your business. You are going to love Sarah's approach. Sarah is a brand-based designer based in Brooklyn, New York, with 10 years of experience working for boutique to global agencies. Her past clients include Elizabeth Arden, Glade, Maidenform, and now countless brilliant entrepreneurs. She started her career in advertising. She worked her way through its inherent ethical and regular quarter-life crises (laughs) with the help of tarot, shadow work, astrology, and other, quote, alternative, end quote, healing modalities eventually bringing magic to her design practice as well. Leaving traditional agencies behind, her focus is now on using her knowledge and intuition to collaborate with talented witches, creators, and other innovators to deepen their impact and income through visual brand design. So if you are a creative, if you are an artist, if you're a practitioner who needs a creative and artist, this is a really, really interesting episode for you. I cannot wait to share her story with you, so let's get into the interview. Welcome, Sharon Wagner, to the Sacred Adventure Begin podcast. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Um, Can you start by telling folks a little bit about yourself, maybe where you're at in the world and what you do? 
Well, I, so I am a brand designer and I currently run a studio called Swale Studio, um, based in Brooklyn, New York. Of course, I work out of my apartment. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we focus on brand design um, specifically for witches and oh, yeah. for people who have similarly innovated and alchemical attitudes towards what they're doing for the world. Mm. I love that so much. So you weren't always in this. And there's so many, like, there's so many questions I have already. Like the name, where did you come up with the name? Yeah, so Swale is a, uh, of course, this was like months and months of research to like land on this. <laughs> but Swale is a, it's a Scottish term for essentially a controlled burning of the heath there where it's the kind of environment where um, it needs to kind of be cleared out and burned back in order for new growth to come back healthily. Um, so for me, that really just plays into, uh, I wanted to create a foundation for myself coming out of using, just going by my full name as like a freelancer in the design world. Um, I wanted to, instead of be under my name and be like, I am the person who is the business because yep. that is actually really overwhelming <laughs> to just be like, yes, I am the business. Um, I realized that I wanted some distance from that and to have it be like a separate container and something larger from myself that I can like take space from or be closer to, you know, as I go and as I need. Um, and I wanted that container to be about rebirth. Like for me, that's kind of the core of what I do is I want to work with people who are interested in uh, transforming what they're doing and transforming other people through what they're doing and through that, you know, transforming themselves. Um, and I definitely see brand design is like a very tactile, symbolic, sensory way to like show that kind of transformation. So again, I just like took a million notes on what you just said. <laughs> There's so many directions we can take this in. And um, for everyone who's listening, this is still part of the um, creativity mini series that I'm doing. So we are going to be talking about like approaches to this create, create creatively. Woo. Couldn't get that out. Um, but I love that you just mentioned that it was important when you were picking the name to create an identity that was part, like the business had its own identity. And I and then it's so interesting too that you're in the business of helping people see their identity through your creativity. Like, can you maybe share like what about um, brand design helps a person get their identity and like the sort of your unique approach to it? Ooh, um, yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> <laughs> There's like big questions. Um, well, I guess the first thing is. Um, for me, my approach to it is, uh, it's first of all, sensory. Um, you know, there are a lot of more strategy focused, like, uh, approaches out there, which like, I don't consider myself a strategist so much. I'm more about like the visual piece of it, but, um, there's a lot, you know, a lot of people think of branding and they think of like, okay, so like agency mood boards, they're going to give you like a typeface and like colors and, you know, it's going to be based on, you know, color psychology and whatever. Um, and 
I found that that is not actually how I work at all. Like I started in that world, uh-huh. <laughs> but for me, it's much more about um, both like intuitively and in like a real like sensory way, feeling out what what feels right as opposed to what is supposed to be right and you know what's supposed to work um, from these more like quantitative like marketing um, perspective. So um, that's that's kind of my approach. And of course that works a lot better for magical people and people who are in touch with, um, you know, their more felt feeling senses. Yeah. So <laughs> how does people that work? How does, how does getting into the sensory element of brand design work? Are you like showing them sort of examples and letting them like feel which they're most attracted to? Or are you talking about like, the feeling of their business and then you design based on their description of the feeling like how does that work both (laughs) (laughs) I mean my process is um and it's interesting because then uh a lot of the feedback I've gotten from people has been that it can be kind of a healing process because they're essentially having someone mirror back to them like, mm-hmm. okay, these are all my ideas and all my, and everything that I'm doing. And, you know, I have, I have all my clients fill out like a really long form of like, tell me all about your business, all about your vision, all about your plans. Like, uh, not just the practical pieces of like, where is the logo going? Like, mm-hmm. uh, but also like, I want the big picture bird's eye view because that's where you get the sensory information, the feeling information. And like, it's more about, you know, it's more about uh, your brand should reflect your values, not just, you know, okay, so we want to compete with Facebook. So we're going to be blue, like, (laughs) you know, like, yeah. (laughs) um, Yeah. Yeah. I forget if that Seco. I've read the question already. I'm like, oh no, you're fine. A million I, directions, as you said, to go from this. I know. <laughs> I know. I guess maybe another way to ask the question that might be um, interesting for people to hear about would be this idea of okay, so you get a client in and they fill out this form. And so, like, how are you taking, like, what, without giving me your trade secrets, um, (laughs) or, like, what would be an example, maybe that's a more interesting thing, like, what would be a sensory thing that, that, that you then link to a visual or help somebody, like, see their, you know, like, how do you, how do you make a brand package with something like a a value, like, I don't know, I should make just one up, Um, <laughs> or you probably know more examples of what a what a value might look like and then how you make that value look like for the person. Right, right. Um, so what I actually like to do is instead <laughs> give you an exercise that I like to give people who are really stumped on this. Um, uh, like people who come to me going like, I have no idea like what what my brand should look like or like, oh, I know what my favorite color is, but I have no idea if that's appropriate at all to what I'm doing, Sure, that kind of thing. And they want to like get a step deeper into like what actually matches and makes sense and feels good. Um, And that is to imagine if your business had a physical location or a waiting room of some kind. And, you know, including if you do have a physical location Uh, if it could be literally any location you could imagine in the world. 
uh, you know, would your business be in a cave? Would it be in a tree house? Uh, would it be in like a really high end luxury co-working space? Like, is that, you know, ideally where you would want your business to be? Uh, maybe, <laughs> you know, um, and then considering not just where it is, but what is in that room, uh, you know, and how, and considering then, like, how do you want to prepare people to work with you? Like, if you, is your approach, like, you want people to be very comfortable, you want it to be warm, you want there to be lots of pillows, snacks, buffet, you know, you want people to feel really, like, welcomed and warm, um, when they're coming in to work with your business or are you the kind of business where you want people to feel a little bit challenged? Like maybe you want them to take a cold shower before they come in to work with you. Um, so there, you can see immediately there are huge yep. differences there. And within those, again, sensory things, there are colors, there are shapes, there are feelings. And from there you can distill that down to like, okay, well, what is my brand color? <laughs> And that takes a little more, that takes the finesse and the experience to really translate, uh, which is kind of where I commit. Oh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, that that's was kind of the starting point. That was the perfect answer to what I was trying to ask. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, between the two of us, we'll get something other people can understand. <laughs> so how did you... Um, I guess I'm curious a little bit about how you got into this work. Um, mm -hmm. Were you all, and then maybe even going way back, like, were you always creative? Were you always thinking about like color and identity and the relationship between those two? And then how did that become what it is now? Well, I, I was always creative for sure. Um, you know, as a kid, I wanted to be, you know, I was a kid who was like, these are storybooks that I made with like illustrations. <laughs> like, you know, I, like I was that kid. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah. So like from very young, I knew that I was into that, um, that I was also raised in a family where, um, you know, that was like, okay, that's nice, but much more like science focused family. And I thought I wanted to be an astronaut for a while, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, so, and then it wasn't until, um, into like middle school and high school that it, it came to like, oh, if I do art, then I don't have to worry about anyone else's like exact standards for this so much. <laughs> and also like, you know, it, like, I don't need to explain myself here. Yeah. <laughs> I can just be good at the thing and no one, like, asks too many questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like, I've always just been more interested in uh, the open-ended side of things as opposed to, like, what is the correct answer? Um, for me, it's more like, okay, but what else can we do here? <laughs> yeah. Like, what is the cool question? Forget the answer. What other questions does this exactly. have? Yeah. Yeah. What's the next question? <laughs> I love that so much. I also, as a creative, extremely value freedom mm -hmm. and the ability to make like choices, which is kind of like you're saying outside of the standard of uh, this is the right answer. This is the wrong answer. This is the process that you have to follow. Like being able to ask the bigger, not bigger, the, the open, the more open questions. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so then what happened? <laughs> yeah. So then I decided I wanted to go to art school. 
um, and got to art school. And, you know, I, at the time I was like, I love painting. I want to be like a painting major. Yeah. But to art school as a painting major and then immediately realized like, oh, so I need to talk about my feelings. Mm. <laughs> I was like, I... I don't know. <laughs> and what has, what actually ended up happening is that I had some uh, experience with design software, with like InDesign and Photoshop from being my high school newspaper. And I realized looking at like the communications design, uh, more like vocational side of the school, um, that, oh, I already know how to do some of this. Maybe I'll just do that instead. Okay, great. <laughs> So then made my way into illustration and from illustration realized that um, I, I that the design side came way more easily to me in a way that I could not explain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, a common theme will be I'm bad. I'm not bad at explaining things, but like explaining myself doesn't come naturally to me. I'm much more like, I, let me show you what I yeah. mean. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Great on a podcast explaining myself anyway (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah so uh yeah ended up in design from there and it was a really natural progression for me um and from there I when I graduated I got a job in advertising which I wasn't necessarily looking for but I was like okay yeah it's you know it was 2013 this is a full-time job yes I will take it you know yeah (laughs) um like and I so I gained a really a lot of really valuable experience there working in like a smaller agency where I was doing a lot of stuff it was it was a creative team of like two to three people the entire time I was there um so pretty small and uh but but also we worked with some pretty big clients and so learned a lot there um but also definitely learned like my strengths and weaknesses again getting into like okay when I have to like explain to someone <laughs> like this is why I chose this color like okay we're gonna uh, like all right now I need to like back into this like ex- I, like I, I found that I would be in a process where I'd be like designing things and then presenting them and then having to like, like back into the explanation. <laughs> yeah, like reverse engineering it so it can be accepted the way you want exactly, it to. Exactly, exactly. Oh, and so I realized, Yeah, so, so I was always just like, okay, I need, uh, like, this is always constantly like in the back of my head, like, all right, I'm going to have to like explain this later. And it's funny because there's also like an understanding among creatives that that is how a lot of us work. But then it's like, don't tell anyone because <laughs> yep. otherwise they're going to be like, you're just making shit up. Because it's like, <laughs> why is like, that bad? <laughs> yeah, like this is how it works. Like, yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So that's kind of how I came to um, then. You know, uh, the ad agency is the ad agency, the ad agency model, especially for smaller agencies, has just gotten like really difficult to sustain for a lot of places um, and a lot of people. Um, So that slowly wound down Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I had like actually a pretty natural transition into freelance work where I had already been picking up freelance work um, full time and then, you know, went down to part time and then went on to freelance completely. And then once I was freelancing completely realized like, 
if I'm freelancing, then I may as well like pick who I want to work with. Yes. (laughs) So here we are. (laughs) Yeah. So can we like talk a little bit about like, how did you, how did you decide specifically that you wanted to work with witchy folks (laughs) or how do you describe the people that you work with? Yeah. So, um, well, yeah, that's the other half of this. So I guess I didn't, I didn't, uh, combine into the original story, the original origin story, <laughs> but yeah, like I, I've always been interested in, again, since I was a little kid in the more spiritual side of things, um, grew up in a Lutheran family. We were not, um, like fundamentalists or anything, uh, but we went to church every Sunday <laughs> mm-hmm. and again, like had like a kind of a funny, like, uh, the more people I've met, the more I realized how unique this is in that, like, we had, like, a very, like, science, like, science-obsessed, like, sci-fi-obsessed family, but also we're very Christian, and uh-huh. I'm still, like, I, I, I'm i still, like, figuring out, like, how that goes together. <laughs> I actually, <So. laughs> I grew up Catholic, and my family's very devoted to the church. I have an aunt that's a nun and a, a uncle that became a priest and like all kinds of stuff like that but my family is also very science and learning oriented and minded Mm -hmm. and I kind of wonder if that's the nature of like not being fundamentalists right like Mm. the religious the religion is important but like we're not so fundamentalist that we like or they (laughs) I should say I I call myself a recovering catholic now Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah I mean yeah, and I, I was also very lucky that I, the church that we grew up in was, like, relatively small and pretty open. Like, we had, um, like, we, we had a pastor who, like, taught us meditation in our confirmation class, and that was That's really, cool. really cool in hindsight, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, um, were you like, all oh, ELC? Kind of this, but then everyone else thinks this is boring, so, okay, like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yep, totally. So, um, we, yeah, so that's, that's where that started. Um, and then getting older as I started learning about mythology, um, and getting more into storytelling and writing things like that. Um, it was kind of a natural progression that that opened that side back up of like, okay, like the spiritual side of things, but also still not really having any context or support to like explore that in a different direction than mm-hmm. being in church. Um, And then so it wasn't until I was in college um, and just in college, just beginning to explore again, it being like uh, early 2010s when witchcraft really started to hit the mainstream for this wave. Um, And uh, then it was when I was working in advertising and realizing, you know, again, I just said, you know, I learned a lot there and everything, Um, you know, I learned how to do what I do there. Uh, but at the same time, it was also a super draining experience for me. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was, it was still working in advertising in New York City, which is not for everyone. Um, and <laughs> it was it was a lot. And so that was my point where I had that. That was where I had. I guess, you could say the first like initiation, spiritual awakening type of experience where that's when I found tarot and began to dive into that and very slowly, um, kind of work my way into it after 
really cutting off that side of myself for a long time because I just didn't have a place to put it. <laughs> um, then it kind of just like deepened and grew and then it turned into like, oh, this is now like my main hobby that I don't talk to any of my friends about. That's interesting. How did that happen? <laughs> and fast forward to like, today uh and you know realizing over the last year like no if I want to be a freelancer and work with witches and I need to admit that and tell people that <laughs> so it was uh, it's been a slow unfolding and I very much still like consider myself like a like in the world of witchcraft like definitely uh definitely a student um you know, in a lot of ways, I wish that I had started earlier, but at the same time, I would not have been open to it earlier, would not yeah. have happened. So here we are. I know. I like on that note, I always think of that as funny, like when people, um, well, with meditation, when they're like, I'm going to get really good at meditation. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this just like oxymoronical, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I mean, like work at it, but like analyzing it and like putting a bunch of other stuff on it is like the opposite point. The point is to release and connect like, but you know, do you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was through, uh, beginning to really, and I, I spent a lot of time in the space of like not practicing, but just like reading a lot and like, uh, being like, oh, I'm really curious about this, but I'm totally like an atheist, ha ha ha. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it took me some time to get to the point of like, no, I can't learn my way into this. I need to actually do it. Yep. Oh, Doing no. it, you know, like a few years ago, and I've just had to like admit to myself, like, yep, this is where I am. Still, like a beginner, and I'm super excited to learn from you know everyone I can, and learning from like. Uh, you know, clients of mine that I've now had, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, it's been, so that's where I am there. <laughs> that's really cool. Okay. So like, I, I guess I have a question, like what, I mean, I understand your progression toward like, um, opening up and exploring your own spirituality, like through, uh, whatever, I feel like there's so many types of witchcraft out there. We could just say through magic, oh, yes. <laughs> through magic and self-awareness um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and self-development. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, as you're doing that, like, then you just decided, like, did you, did it come to you through meditation or you just finally were like, this is something I'm attracted to that I feel myself going to, going to, going to, and these are the people I want to help. Like what specifically about like, the witchy community made you want to work with them? Um, well, first of all, yes, like there is definitely an attraction there as far as um, like one of the cool things about being a designer and that I have really liked about freelancing is that you get to kind of learn all over again what some what something is when you work with a new business. <laughs> yep. Like each, each business that you work with, you are learning about an entirely different world and different perspective and approach. Like every single person, every single business is different. So that has always been really stimulating for me and I enjoy that. Um, and so of course, when it cut, when it, for me, when it came to learning about witchcraft, I was like, yes, I want to work with these people and learn more about them. 
Um, and then at the same time, I was also, you know, on a personal level as I was getting into this world, seeing like that there's a really, there's a real gap between like, there's like modern, like millennial Gen Z TikTok witches like yep. that are sparkly and purple and holographic and they're like super fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's like not me. And yeah. then there's also, uh, and then on the other hand, there's like our, you know, um, people who came from like previous wave who've been doing this for years and they have like a website that looks like it's from GeoCities and <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> or, yeah, I or, do like know. <laughs> or like you're buying like a, like an herbal product and it has, it has like papyrus font on it, you know? And I'm just like, oh, no, guys, why? like <laughs> you guys are so much better than this. Ah. <laughs> so for me, it's, it's, and I've, I've started to do this with my clients, um, balancing kind of like finding what, what like, uh, like finding the balance between those two kind of very different, yeah, <laughs> very different sides and all, and, and in doing so also just like making, making it distinctive, like, um, you know, it, it makes me sad when, you know, I'm like, okay, I, kn I know that, um, you know, things like Etsy logos are a really practical resource for a lot of business owners. But if you're a witch and you go search on Etsy, witch logos, you get all these things that look exactly the same yep. and are in the same aesthetic. And uh, I'm just like, okay, but like, if you actually want to stand out, let's, let's do it. Like you're like, you're a witch, like from the witches that I know, we're all very different. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a celebration of the individual, or at least the identity element. Yes. Yeah, yeah, there. Totally. That's yeah, so... so I'm always looking for, you know, how to, like, okay, you're a witch. How can you be a witch who isn't purple? Let's let's explore this, you know, like. <laughs> or black. Like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I love black, of course. Okay. Like, I went from a white and black brand to a to a red and black brand so you know I'm like guilty <laughs> but yeah exactly it's like I and that's I've had several clients come to me saying like oh so it looks like you can like make a brand that isn't just black and I'm like yeah let's let's do it or who come to me who saying like I specifically want to avoid being like stereotypical witch with that's like all black or all purple like what yep. can we do that is a little bit outside the box here or maybe and, and also finding the balance between what's outside of the box and what's still familiar to people and people will still identify with um, that. Cause that's a, that's a consideration too. Again, that, that difference between like, are you a warm soft pillow brand or a cold shower brand? <laughs> yeah. That's so interesting. Well, the other thing that you touched on, okay, I'm going to back myself up before we get to that. I love that you mentioned the papyrus font <laughs> because there was this, uh, for a little while when I was an undergrad uh, and back back in the day, like in the early, early 2000s, we still called it graphic design. I know it goes by like visual oh, yeah. communications and lots of other <laughs> names now. Um, I, I was thinking that's what I wanted to do. Uh, it turns out that's not for me for lots of reasons, <laughs> mm -hmm, <laughs> which we aren't mm -hmm. going to go into. But one day the professor brought in um, this box of uh, sparklers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. and he was like this this is bad design and then he was like oh this God. is 
good bad design. Like yeah. you want it to look like this. Like they're, you know, like the texts are all going different directions. There's 12 different fonts on there. There's stickers that don't belong and none of it makes sense together, but it's like the perfect thing for it. And sometimes like <laughs> the other thing that I kind of love about the like witch community, uh, and I would say we could extend this to like holistic people, Mm -hmm. um, is that they're scrappy. Right. And so they're like, yes. I can do yes. it myself. And so, right. <laughs> so then you end up with that. And I'm curious from your perspective, first off, what, what does a like brand package come with? Like, are you doing their website and, and their colors? Are they just doing their logo? Like, are you helping them with Instagram? Like, what does that look like? And number two, like, how do you just deal with the, like, how do you hand something like that off? Like, here's how it should look now, put it on your website, you know, God bless you, go forth and prosper. Like, how does that work for you? How do you deal with that? That's such a good question. I'm so glad you brought up though, the like, uh, the good, bad design conversation that like every design student, like, goes through. Because <laughs> that's real. Because there's there's a real difference between um, you know what's uh, you know what's it, it, it's like it, to me it's not so much like good versus bad design. It's more like thoughtful versus uh, like lazy design. Yeah, if that makes sense. Where it's like okay, if you're going to papyrus because you don't know what else to use, then that's lazy. But if you're going to papyrus because you're like I have this whole concept <laughs> and like I yeah. want it to be like purposefully a little bit kitschy and a little bit weird which is which is another thing that I love about the witch community where it's again very DIY and like frankly there are a lot of like very DIY very earnest and lovely uh you know like little packaging designs, things like that from people who are doing it themselves that I honestly love. And I'm like, yeah, because no designer would come up with this. Yeah. <laughs> so there's definitely but like you did it and you did it, it well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like you got the job done, you got the vibe down. Like, I love it. Great. You did yep. it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so as far as what goes into a brand package though, um, what I do is uh, I kind of have two options that can be separate or combined, where the first thing is the visual brand, which by my definition is very literally like the visual elements of the brand. So this isn't about, this isn't, I'm not going to give you strategy. I'm not going to give you copy, but I will give you the visual parts, which are the, um, I, like I will take the strategy that you come with and give you, uh, give you, the color scheme, give you the typefaces and give you probably some like extra graphic elements like shapes, lines, patterns, blood patterns, um, and uh, give you usually some, a couple icons in there. <laughs> yeah. You know, little extra elements um, and basically show you basically the way that I deliver that then in a way that's usable is I give, I prepare like a set of guidelines, which is essentially a PDF. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that'll be like 15, 20 pages of like here, you know, here's how you use it with examples. Um, sure. That's a big thing that I find really important that I don't see a ton of designers doing. It's like, if you, if you hire a designer for, I don't know, I don't, 
I guess I don't like to put numbers out there, but, yeah. <laughs> but like if you're, if you're hiring someone to put together like one page with a color palette and typefaces, but no examples of how you use them together, then that's only going to serve you so far because you have to figure out how to use all of it yourself. Yep. So what I like to do, it's part of, part of what I do is I will put together an example, like, okay, I won't design your website for you, but here's like an example of like with your current copy on your homepage, how you might design this cool. with the colors and with the fonts and calling out like, you know, uh, use this font for headlines, use this font for body text, um, just to like be very simple. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> then people example. can like figure out on WordPress where they can change that or on Squarespace yeah. where they can change that or Wix or whatever it is that they're using. Yeah. Right. And then the other advantage of that is um, that way you have something where if, if you are in a position where you are hiring a designer, then you have one document that you can hand over to the designer and say, these are the guidelines, do it like this. And they know how to follow that. If they're a good designer, they can follow that. Yeah. <laughs> um, as opposed to you having to go back and be like, well, here are the colors, but now what you're doing doesn't quite look right, doesn't quite match this other thing. And I need to like art direct, like this saves you from doing all of that extra work. Um, That's by really having cool. those but Yeah, and then, so yeah, I only just talked about the, the uh, visual brand side. And then the other thing that I do uh, is logo systems, which I always tell people I do not do one-off logos because you can only use a one-off logo so many places. <laughs> um, so doing a combination of like the word mark with the business name written out and the uh, icon, which is usually a little graphic or monogram. Um, and then also showing you how those can be combined, how those can change color uh, you know, what situations to use them in. Um, so it is, it becomes a lot more complex than just like, here is your logo and icon that you bought on Etsy for $5 with no instructions. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. So my that's daughter. my whole thing is like, just like creating a system that is actually really adaptable and applicable to different situations, as opposed to just giving you like, here's a graphic and good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Do people like make custom logos for $5? Oh, well, they're not custom. Oh, okay. Oh, that's what we're <laughs> talking about. Yeah. I was like, I bet you could find it on Fiverr or something, but then you're, exactly. it, it becomes you know, an abusive situation there too, I think. Right. And it's like, that's the thing. It's like, the more that I meet people in the entrepreneurial space, the more like, especially people like just the beginning, at the beginning of their businesses, I understand like, uh, how Fiverr and Upwork can be helpful when you yep. don't have any, you know, extra cash. Um, but at the same time, you can, you're going to get what you pay for. Hundred <laughs> percent. And you may, and you can even get into a lot of trouble if you are using it, which again, like if you're a super small business, I don't know how visible you'd have to get for this to become an issue, but like, um, you know, a lot of these like $5 logos are literally people who have like, who, who have like a pack of like templates that they've like just taken from the internet or clip art that they've downloaded and slapped yep. your name on it. Yep. And if you don't know any better, then you can get in a lot of trouble legally yep. using something like that. So there's, <laughs> there's a whole host of issues. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, all, I mean, 
I know this is going to sound like a typical artist thing to say, but like, it, it's always better to have something that is you specific. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but like, yeah, it, it becomes hard, I guess, for people, like even just to know that somebody like you out there is available for them too. Um, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. So how do you deal with like, uh, how, or how do you feel about, I think it can be hard sometimes like when you make something and you have like this like love of it and then you like let it go out into the world and people you have to trust people will use it appropriately (laughs) (laughs) right uh yeah I mean that's such a good question that's a true like question from a creative (laughs) (laughs) um yeah I mean it's honestly this is one of those things that I got out of my system <laughs> really early on in my career <laughs> or I, it was like and it was not just like people who run small businesses being like oh I'm gonna take this and like mostly use it correctly and, and being like okay well you're not a designer so I can't tell you what to do you know unless you pay me which I don't want you to keep paying me more and more money like I'm not trying to like yeah uh, I'm not in here to exploit you but like also yeah, exactly. I'm here to help you yeah yeah right um, and like, so, and because of that, it's like, I need to have that boundary of like, I'm not going to come in and be like, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, so like, uh, but, but yeah, like I started out doing things for giant, you know, I think part of it really came from being in advertising. So you're doing things like pitches where you spend, uh, you know, a 50 hour week doing a pitch and then you give it to them and they either don't use it at all or what what to me is worse is when it's like they'll it ends up that they kind of just like take your idea where they don't hire you but they're like oh cool idea though (laughs) oh I don't like that (laughs) I know or when they uh, and this happens all the time with like campaigns and things that like you are hired for as an agency where uh, you present them this amazing pitch and they're like, great, but we can only afford one quarter of it. And then it gets like dumbed down to like something that is not at all what you um, initially envisioned, yep. you know? So I really definitely like working as a creative professional, <laughs> <laughs> definitely like immunized me to um, kind of like having my work, like, uh, you know, take it apart and, you know, uh, so in that way, I have a lot of like, I definitely have a lot of like compassion for like small business owners who are just doing their best, like, because yeah. <laughs> often they're doing, it's like the, it, especially like working with someone, yeah, working with someone who runs a small business, who's just, uh, for me, it's an honor that they're like, so that they like what I did for them so much that they are using it mm-hmm. <laughs> and using it a lot and using it to the best of their ability. That's like all I can ask for, you know? Yeah. Uh, to me, that's so much more, that's so much nicer than, you know, doing like one of the biggest projects I ever did as, as a freelancer. Um, you know, they only use like one piece of it, you know, out of like a 10 piece <laughs> project, you know, and I'm just like, and this, and it's like, you know, like a global, a global corporation. And I was just like, well, they paid me a lot, but that really sucked. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Just like I would rather work with small businesses. Like that's, that's what I realized way more, way more satisfying and fulfilling for me. I think that like takes me back to the importance of in the interest that I have in the fact that you 
said earlier on, like I knew the business name needed to be important to me. So I felt connected to it. Right. But that it needed Mm -hmm. to not be my name so that I like, I personally (laughs) am not like on the line every time I'm making the thing like out here in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it's not so much about me being my name being on the line, but more as like, uh, I would prefer that people associate my work with this concept and this of this name and this philosophy behind it yeah. than with me as like a personal brand, if that makes sense. It does. It does because yeah. you're you're creating things that also, I mean, they're your aesthetic, you're making them, but they're like for to suit other people's things. So it's it's not necessarily Sharon's mm-hmm. like thing. Can we talk about pattern for a second? Sure. Yes. <laughs> you, you said you loved pattern and now I just, I want to go on an internet spree of looking at how you use pattern and logos <laughs> <laughs> or not oh even logos, but like in branding and stuff. I'm, I'm curious how and where uh, pattern fits in that sort of thing. Yeah, so it's funny because I personally am like in my own personal uh, like clothing, interior, et cetera, aesthetic. I am so not a pattern person. So it was kind of like to my great surprise that I realized as a designer (laughs) that I love designing patterns. Um, and, uh, for me, the, I guess where where I started doing patterns is, um, working for more luxury brands where a lot of them, especially when you have like a like a name monogram, like, you know, like everyone recognizes like the, like Chanel, like interlock C's, you know, and you see that as a pattern on like fucking everything they make. Right. So, (laughs) so, um, a lot of brands want that kind of thing. And it is like a really nice little accent. Um, something that I do, even if you're not doing a lot of like print work or fashion work or anything like that. Um, uh, I work for like finance companies where, uh, you know, no one has ever thought to like give them that kind of asset, but when you have that as like the cover of a presentation, mm. people are like, whoa, what's this? Like, it's really unique. And so I love, yeah, um, it, it's, it's like an extra, it's an extra thing that um, for me, it like comes pretty naturally and doesn't take me a ton of extra time or anything, but it makes such a huge difference in like looking like oh, you have, you have a, like a brand pattern, like commission, like you can, and especially, and it also works really well. Like, like I said before, like, um, and like fashion brands, like if you have a physical product, like getting a pattern printed on tissue paper or something, it just makes such a huge difference instead of using like white tissue paper or whatever. Um, it's a huge, um, it's again about like creating that sensory experience. (laughs) Yeah. Like it makes a big difference as far as like, um, you know, making every every part of it um, a part of you and a part of your company. Um, yeah, and and again, uh, going back to talk how you were talking about like uh, people who DIY everything, um, and it's like I really deeply respect that because it's like. Uh, like these are my ideal clients or like people who do like pick at everything who are like control freaks a little bit because (laughs) they care that much, you know, it's like, yeah, you're exactly who I want to work with because I know that you respect how like important every piece of your presentation is. 
Um, and so adding something like a proprietary pattern to your brand and using that in bits and pieces <laughs> yep. just like really elevates the whole experience and adds another layer of um, consistency to everything. Yeah, and professional presentation and mm -hmm. the, the works. That's so cool. So I'm curious, are you creative outside of work also? I've been getting better at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's something I talk to, you know, most of my friends also went to art school or are creatives in some way. Um, so I'm always talking to people about this. A lot of us have, you know, our, like our weird art school trauma. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> preach. So yeah, it's like, like I said before, like I used to be a painter. I haven't painted anything for years, like maybe one day, but like not right now. Um, but what I actually, I actually recently last year got into quilting over quarantine and that's been really fun. And again, plays into that pattern. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> speaking of pattern, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's been a ton of fun. And it, it, it's funny because like I, I actually was inspired to learn how to sew clothing first uh, years ago when there is a specific Georgia O'Keeffe exhibit um, at the Brooklyn Museum that I went and saw and it had it specifically showed a lot of her clothing that a lot of it she made herself mm -hmm. and then later on it became really well known also adding to that like clothing that like huge designers like created for her and inspired by her um, and seeing that all together is kind of like not just her paintings but also her entire lifestyle as an artist and yeah, being really interested in learning and learning sewing um, and then so I got like I got a sewing machine from that like my family had in someone's basement somewhere and like <laughs> and then it sat in my apartment for like two years <laughs> it was like because because then I like actually learning how to sew clothing is super overwhelming and it I is. still haven't done a lot it's like okay now I know how to hem things but I still haven't like given myself the actual time but then um one of my friends, uh, her mom had just bought a quilting business that sells like pre-made quilt kits. Uh, they're called Parside Quilts. <laughs> nice. <laughs> little plug. Uh, but yeah, so like all, so it's like they, they give you the pattern, they give you pre-cut fabric, which is huge. Like that saves so much time. No joke. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I put together one of those like at the beginning of January, uh, January, February, and, uh, and that was it. Then I was like, oh, fuck, now I'm going to make my own. <laughs> like, what else can I do here? Um, so that was a great, great for me as, like, an introduction to sewing that wasn't as complex as, like, the, like, that was something, that, that was a lesson from that as far as, like, okay, if I'm really intimidated by the super complex, like, thing that I want to do, like, well, what is a step in between that would still like be fun and interesting? That's um, such a cool approach. Yeah. yeah, I just got my sewing machine back. I sewed so much with it, I broke it. <laughs> no. <laughs> I had to take it to the shop and it's back now. <laughs> Actually, that's the other thing I'm going to do after our interview. <laughs> nice. I'm going to style a wig and do some sewing. So, so if you had any advice for, let's do two two advices. Uh, first advice for anyone on their spiritual or creative path, like 
what kind of advice would you give them? Mm. Spiritual or creative. Um, or com I, comboing them, I, you know, however you want to answer it. Yeah, I think my advice there is to consider them as a combo. Um, I found that uh, the more I leaned into um, the more I leaned into my creative side, that became a bridge to the spiritual side. And also there's a feedback loop there where the more I learned about trusting my intuition and all these things, uh, the more that informed my creative practice. Um, so my advice would be to definitely look for the connections. And if you're stumped on one side of it, try the other side. Like if you're stumped creatively, try the spiritual side. If you're stumped spiritually, then see what you see what you can worm how you can worm your way in there from doing something creative. Um, to me, they use very similar, very similar like parts of your brain <laughs> and are very connected. Oh my God. I totally agree with that. Do, do you find yourself relying a lot on your intuition when you're working with clients or making business decisions and stuff? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and in fact, I would say that was the first place that I did learn to trust my intuition. Um, as someone who's been very disconnected from my own intuition for most of my life, that was the first place that I noticed myself uh, able to trust myself. <laughs> when I finally said, okay, yeah, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to be freelancing, I'm not working for anyone else. I'm going to do this my own way. Um, and my work totally changed. That's so cool. And my spiritual practice totally changed once I had that piece of like, okay, I see I can trust myself in this area. Where else can I start trusting myself? Oh, I love that. Yeah. So <laughs> I know. <laughs> I feel like we so could probably yeah. talk about that forever, but I won't keep you too much longer. <laughs> the other little bit of advice is what kind of advice would you give someone who is maybe like, do you do you work do you work only with witches or do you also work with like holistic folks and um, like healing wellness kind of people? Yeah, I I work. Um, you know, I say I say witches primarily because uh, well, I guess it, it really completely depends on your definitions of everything. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I definitely tend towards um, an aesthetic that's a little bit more. Um, a little more bold, a little more impactful and different. Whereas when you get more in the holistic wellness direction, um, where it gets a little bit more light and airy and pastel, that's yeah. like, again, that's awesome. Uh, you know, your, your warm, soft little brand. That, 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 yeah. like, <laughs> when it's done well, it's done super well. Uh, but that's, that's not my thing so much. Um, so I, I definitely work with people across the spectrum. And I, you know, I still take occasional clients who aren't in that category at all, but I always, even, even then I like to impress on people. Like, are you, I like to work with people who are interested in doing things differently, mm -hmm. regardless of the industry that they're in. Cool. And yeah, often, which is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're not a defiant individualist bunch. <laughs> so, <laughs> what kind of advice would you give someone who maybe wants to work boldly and make a statement and look, look different in the industry? Like what kind of advice would you give them? Um, yeah, I guess in general or in thinking about their brand or 
maybe even before they come see someone like you? Yeah, um, I would say, again, the exercise of what what room would your business be in? What would its ideal location be? Think about that for sure. And also don't be afraid to look around. Um, I feel like I see a lot of people get really uncomfortable with the idea of looking at who their quote unquote competition is, Mm. um, especially in like, in, in more like wishy wellness spaces that prioritize community and who are like, no, like we don't, we don't think about competition. We don't talk about it. <laughs> yeah. But I would say if, if you want to stand out, like, don't be afraid to look around. And, you know, if, even if you reframe that from like, uh, you know, not necessarily your competition, but like who are your ideal clients already familiar with? Uh, what are they already seeing out there? And how can you differentiate yourself? Like, don't be afraid to kind of dig into like, what is the difference between uh, what you're offering and what's already out there. Um, and it doesn't need to be a huge difference, but it can be just like a little spark of something that can totally change how you present yourself. I love and that's that. so valuable. Yeah. It's not about judgment or shaming or like yeah. some kind of like scarcity mindset. It's literally about insp- inspiration and then clarity, like self-clarity. Absolutely. Love it. Cool. Well, how can folks find you? Okay, so I am Swale Studio, uh, all one word. Swale spelled S-W-A-I-L Studio um, on Instagram and Pinterest and Clubhouse. And my website is swale.studio. Studio is the domain. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Well, thank you so much, Sharon, for coming on the Sacred Adventure Begin podcast. I really appreciate you and everything you shared with the audience. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's so fun to talk with another witchy creative type. (laughs) (laughs) Heck yeah. (laughs) Well, all of the links that Sharon just mentioned will be in the show notes. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sacred Adventure Begin. If you feel inspired by these conversations, please consider joining us on Patreon and supporting the podcast. Your donations help keep us up and running and start at just $2 a month. Patrons now get additional episodes of the podcast as well as art images and readings at a super affordable monthly rate. And I would love to personally welcome you into that community. Special thanks and shout out to all the Patreon members who are currently out there and all of the donations Sacred Adventure Begin has received to date. It has been such a pleasure supporting you and helping you focus in on the truth, meaning, and wisdom that can be found in our lives and experiences. Thank you too for everyone out there listening. Know that I am sending you so much love, so much awareness, and so much self-acceptance at whatever stage in your journey you find yourself on today.